and welcome to a brand new episode of Totally 80s and 90s Recall. If you're new to this podcast, we are so excited that you've stopped by. And for our returning listeners, thank you so much for the continued support. Well, if you love all things 80s and 90s, from music and movies to television, pop culture and fashion, then this is the podcast for you. I am one of your hosts, David Ole, joined as always by my good friend Rob McCracken. Welcome back, Rob. Sup. I think think that's what cool kids say. They say sup. Do they say sup? I don't know. know. That sounds like something you and I would say, thinking that that's what cool kids say. (laughs) But probably in reality, that's not what they say at all. We'll find out. We used to just say, what's up? But they shorten everything now. When they text, you can't use full words. You got to use like three-letter acronyms. Sus. Sus. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know that one. Or like when things are really good, they're fire, right? So we're really aging ourselves with this. So, So how are we doing today? I'm good. I'm feeling good about today's uh, project. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it too. Of so. the projects we've done so far, I think I'm most proud of this list. Most proud of this yeah. list. Maybe because I did my homework. That's good. The pre-production is important. We've had that discussion before. Yes. So, And uh, our listeners will only be thankful when you put in that extra effort. Well, we've and got so. a crack squad of production assistants. We do. Yeah. yeah. All of them running around yeah. all the time. And executive producers. It's out of control. It's out of control. So we don't have to do anything. We just sit and record, yep. and then everything happens after that. We put the ideas out, <laughs> and then they just collect yeah. it for us. I wish that was the case. Well, on this podcast, Rob and I will travel back to the two decades that shaped not only our lives, but influenced the world for generations that followed. Each episode, we will develop and discuss lists of selected topics, or perhaps identify a significant event, movie, or whatever we recall from growing up in the 80s and 90s, hopefully providing some fun and nostalgia along the way. Well, love is in the air for today's episode. In honor of the upcoming holiday, Valentine's Day, we will be sharing our favorite love songs of the 1980s. What was, uh, can you talk a little bit about your, what was your uh, selection process? What? Well, what? I'm going to tell you, I love this topic. I am a sucker for love songs and soft rock, or what they call yacht rock now. I don't even know anymore, but it used to just be soft rock. Yacht rock? Yeah, a lot of that. I honestly have not heard late seventies, early eighties, where it's like Christopher Cross and Kenny Loggins, and that it's gone into what they call yacht rock now because yuppie folks who sail around on yachts will listen to it at high volumes. So, but it's always been soft rock to me. But my wife will tell you that I listen to cheesy love songs way more than I should. Uh, But there is something about belting out the chorus of a good love song in your car alone. That hits much differently than anything else. So my criteria for this was the, the songs that I really like to sing out loud in my car and kind of get you in that that love feeling. You know what I mean? Do, do you and your wife have a song? We do have a song. What is it? Are you willing to share the song? I mean, I mean, I can't. It's not part of this. It was not an 80s oh, or 90s okay. song. Right. So it's a Van Morrison song. Oh. Um, Someone Like You is what it's called. Oh, so that is our song. It's a great song. So, it's but cu- uh, it's cute. It's cute. It's cute. Okay. She wouldn't tell you it's cute. She thinks it's romantic. But um, I'll let you have that fight with her. So, uh, but she—that's a really favorite song of hers. That became our song. Uh, played it at first dance at the wedding, but not an '80s song. Um, so it won't be showing up today as good of a song as that is, because uh, we're going to focus right in on uh, one generation. I think one decade of just great love songs whether you think they were cheesy or whatever the the criteria is that you're looking at 
I think there was just a plethora of really good music. I agree with that. I thought the list was, I had a lot left over that I couldn't choose from. So um, unlike some other lists, this, there was a lot, there was a, a well to draw from. Yeah, I will say picking out just 10 love songs was nearly an impossible task. I think I left 30 or 40 songs off the list that were really good, and I kept pushing them in, pulling them out. Uh, however, my 10 are awesome. In fact, to quote the great Ron Burgundy, this is baby-making music. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's grab that boombox, put it up over our heads to show our crush just how much we love them, and relive the love songs of the 1980s. Well, I can't fight this feeling anymore. So, Rob, serenade me with your number 10, and please don't make me cry. <laughs> All right. My uh, number one is... Um, well, number 10. Oh, my number. My number. Yeah. My you, number 10. Start with that. Yeah. Is uh, Somewhere Out There. Wow. By the uh, by Linda Ronstadt and James Ingram. Is that the American Tales song? It is. Fievel? Yes. Yes. And I don't know that we need to get deep into it. We we know it. We know it. That is a uh, that is yes. quite a choice. You went cartoon right out I, the gate. I did. So it's a 1986 animated film, American Tale, peaked at number eight. There it is. You got it. Yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, I remember that song quite a bit. Yes, Mr. Matthews in elementary school. I believe we sang it. It might have even been a a a, a, a school school song. Uh, uh, like a music a concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 1986, animated film, American Tale, peaked at number eight. We can make fun of the song, but it won a Grammy for Song of the Year, Grammy for Best Motion Picture Song, Grammy for Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group. It was nominated for Best Original Song at the Golden Globes. It only lost to Take My Breath Away by Top Gun, or for the Top Gun movie. Um, it's got a really underrated guitar solo. If you get Really underrated. Uh, yes, it does. Yes, when I think of guitar solos, I think of American Tale. Yes. Yes. Uh I think this song, if we're talking about love, it, it's it's if it's true love, it won't matter, and it doesn't matter if it's distance or time or. Oh no, it's a great message. Yep, I, I was, I am, I am shocked. That's not the first song I would have thought would have come uh, from you, uh, but yeah, I, I remember that song. Yeah, uh, one of the great duets. Yes, the '80s and uh, early '90s were known for some pretty hardcore duets. People yes. really liked to do the duets, so. Well, that's a solid start. There you go. So my first song, my number 10, is really, really good. It is called Don't Know oh, Much oh. by Aaron Neville and Linda Ronstadt. Oh, we got two Linda Ronstadt songs. Off back the... to back. Wow. Because yeah, she's good at the duets. Oh, so this I is... do remember this Oh, one. yeah. This is just a... Let me be this is a... This is a really that's good song. That's solid. It's a really good song. So many questions. That's a unique pairing too. A unique, yeah, Linda Ronstadt because their voices, Very but different. they match really well. So, well, this is a great song. I've always liked listening to it just because I like singing along to it. But I'll tell you, like, just what happened with the song you were talking about. This won a Grammy for best pop performance by a duo or group in uh, 1990, I believe. So this song came out in 1989, and then following Grammy. So this song won a Grammy. Uh, this song 
what it really reminds me of is when I worked in San Antonio, I was working in basic training. I had a person across from me, my desk. Uh, we shared an office. He was across. And we used to sing crazy songs back and forth to each other. And this is one of those. We would try to do the impersonation of Aaron Neville. Um, <laughs> he was way better at it than I was. But we'd do dueling versions of it. And the other people in the office would eventually tell us to like shut up and stop. But we'd be like back and forth all doing I don't know much, but I know I love you. Du- so we try that all Dueling the time. Dueling Aaron Neville. Dueling Aaron Neville's all the time. Um, yeah, Malave was his name. And we would go back and forth and upset everyone in the office. So funny story, though. A couple years later or before that, on an episode of Scrubs, the actor that played Dr. Turk, he was also in an elevator practicing his Aaron Neville to this song <laughs> on a tape recorder. What, so What year did this come out? 1989. 89. Okay. So I was going to say, I, this is a roller rink song. This, a is, roller a, this rink is a song. slow, slow, slow roller rink song. Slow roller rink song. Yeah. That's not how I would have described it, know. but it's fine. It works that way. I remember that. Yeah. All right. My number nine is uh, another one that you will not. Well, I don't think this is. It's Who's Johnny by El Debar. Oh, my goodness. 1986. From the movie Off a Short Circuit. That's from Short Circuit. So you're sticking strong with the movie soundtracks. 1986. Everyone should know. You pick movies based off soundtracks, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I I know that song. I had forgotten about that song. Yes. It's definitely got some 80s cheese to it that, you know, is really good. But Well, so some things about this. It reached number three, so it got up there. It was his only number one single after leaving the family band, DeBarge. DeBarge. The family band. Uh, So it's a perspective of a guy. He's trying to get a girl. The girl's kind of playing hard to get. She keeps asking, who's Johnny? She knows who he is, but she's pretending like she doesn't know him. So I think this speaks to the awkward dating game. So we're playing game, you know, playing hard to get, acting like you're not interested, but you are. Um, Oh. Another interesting fact. Um, our uh, crack squad of researchers discovered that uh, this was parodied, parodied by Weird Al Yankovic oh on his album, Polka Party, with the song, Here's Johnny. Oh, my goodness. There you go. I mean, he has to get into every episode at this point. Is that, is that what we're doing? I guess. I guess. I couldn't leave that. Always out. with a Weird Al. Even, you know, you'd think love songs we would avoid a Weird Al mm. event. Here it comes <laughs> right back around. So, so that's my number nine. Um, Who's Johnny? Elder Barge. Yeah, that's uh, that's something. <laughs> See, you were saying at the beginning we might have some that crossover. I, I, I think we might. You don't. We think might. We, we might. We, we might. could have a couple that crossover, but uh, there's no guarantee on any of of any of that. So, <laughs> but yeah, I was not except I was not expecting um, a Johnny Five reference today, but. Um, yeah, that's it's always a fun choice. Always something uh, different to add to the show. That's why we like doing the list because, mm. yes, my choices are going to be vastly different. I think so because that uh, brings me to my number nine. Okay, which is "Oh Sherry" by oh. the great Steve Perry. That did make my cutting room floor. Cutting room floor. I remember this one. It's one of the greatest voices of all time. My baby, uh, one of the my, best front my, men. I remember my babysitter having. A, Crush on uh, Steve Perry. Everybody has crush on Steve Perry. He's he's really really good, you know. Um, so this was his first solo single after leaving Journey. Uh, one, as I said, one of the greatest singers um, I know of. 
and memorable the memorable opening line which we didn't hear there but he does that you should have been gone he does that acoustically to start the song it's just uh really memorable and what i really remember it for now is if you've seen that movie basketball by the creators of south park um so when they play their game it's not a good movie it's but an awful it's, movie. it's an awful movie but in that uh when you're playing your game you have to like try to psych the other guy out uh who's trying to make a shot so one of the South Park guys tried to psych the other guy out by going, you know been gone. <laughs> and the guy got all nervous because I don't know if he didn't like Steve Perry or it was just too much to handle or mm-hmm. what was going on, but mm-hmm. uh, definitely. So yes, Oh Sherry, That's Steve good. Perry. Really, yep. really terrible mo- uh, video if you ever go watch it. It's so cheesy. It's 80s cheese on mm-hmm. on another level. But that was a VH1. Fantastic. Like kind of felt like that was a VH1 standard. That song? Mm-hmm. It was a standard everywhere. Yeah, Great song. That's a good choice. Uh, number eight for me. Um, this is this is going to be a real common one, but uh, it is straight up by Paula Abdul. Wow, you said that's common. Well, I didn't put that as a love song. It seems more like a dance song, but yeah. Right. I mean, the lyrics are. I, the, no, the lyrics talk yeah. about love. That's right. That's right. That's right. So that was November of ninety or of eighty eight, and. Uh, Good relationships require communication. And in the, in the song, she clearly says, how about some information, please? She's saying, uh, do you do you really want to love me forever or am I caught up in a hit and run? And so she's she wants commitment. She wants transparency. And those are transpa- those are traits of a good relationship. Yeah. And around this time, you're in like fifth, sixth grade. That's so right. that's the things you're thinking about. That's right. The solid foundations it's, of the relationships. That's right. In those fifth, sixth grade classes, yeah, right. Set yeah. set me up for. So she spoke right to you. That's right. In this case, mm-hmm. yeah. so no, good song. Um, I didn't track it just because again, it's got that dance beat. <laughs> but to be fair, my next song, which mm-hmm. is uh, my number eight, also has uh, an upbeat to it. Um, it is "Easy Lover" by Phil Collins oh, and Philip yep. Bailey. So this is good. This is good. I I always love this song. It's so good. They're a perfect duo. Who was this? Who was the other half of the duo? Philip Bailey. He was a lead singer in Earth, Wind, and Fire. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's uh, and him and Phil Collins were pretty good friends, which is why. But this is proof that not all love songs, just like Straight Up, uh, have to be slow and sappy. They can be fun, and that's what Easy Lover is. It's a fun song. It was released in November of '84. As I said, Bailey was a vocalist from Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, one of the best songs of the '80s. For me, it's just fun to sing along to. And anytime I hear it, as I spoke about earlier, it's going up loud in the car. And I love when the parts hit about um, you want to hold her and all these other things. She's an easy lover. It just, everything hits. It's really good. Um, And I can't say anything more about it. It's just a great song. He had a string there for a while. He had some good songs that came out at that time. Who, Uh, Phil Collins? Oh, yeah. Well, he had a string for a long time. Well, he was splitting time between Genesis and himself. So he's double dipping a little bit there. So he was getting to... He was getting to get multiple versions of songs. So that was also a song that was I, I eyed to go on my list, but uh, so you should add it. It's really good. <laughs> so my number seven is uh, also one that you probably aren't going to see coming: "Angel Eyes" by the Jeff Healy Band. When I say Jeff Healy Band, was that the guy in Roadhouse? <laughs> yeah, the band that played in Roadhouse. Yeah. Was that him, blind guy? Right? Yeah, blind guy with his guitar in his lap. I definitely know this song. Oh yeah, I did not. You didn't see that coming. Think about it at all. <laughs> but 
but I definitely know it. Okay. Oh, yeah. There it is. I mean, it's pretty classic. Yeah, there you go. So that came out but April. That, but oh, that's go the ahead. Roadhouse guy. That is the Roadhouse guy. <laughs> April of 89, peaked at number five. Setting is possibly a bar. Every guy's checking the girl out. He's asking, what are you doing with a clown like me? He's never learned to dance. He's uh, never got a second chance uh, or a second glance. Um, he could always look at her, but he could never touch. So you get this image that he's this guy that's out of his league. Um, then he goes on to say, how did I ever win your love? What did I do? What did I say to turn your angel eyes my way? And I and I feel like it can relate a little bit. I feel like I married up a little bit. You say it could be in any bar. Not any bar. It's in the double deuce. Oh, because he's the roadhouse guy. Go. So it was at the no, double deuce behind no, the cage. I, I'm going to admit something. I i don't know that I can I don't want you to say it out loud. If you say you haven't seen Roadhouse. Then I don't remember Roadhouse. Did he? Is this the song he sang in? No, okay, they're singing okay, right. upbeat rock songs. I was just referring to the fact that he's in Roadhouse okay, with right. the double deuce. And if you haven't, <laughs> you know, every week we find out something new that uh, makes no sense. So we're doing an '80s and '90s podcast, and you haven't seen Roadhouse. So that seems seen like a long time. Seems like something to be a pre- required previewing before you start something like this. Well, my number seven, uh, no list. Of any 80s, whatever category you're doing, would be complete without Chicago. So for me, however, it may not be the Chicago song everybody's thinking about. It's Hard Habit to Break. Oh. I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard this song. It's not not a Chicago, no, I don't know it. I know, but I don't know it. Nope. There's Peter Cetera right there. I got nothing. You got nothing. Well, this was released to July 84. Uh, and like I've said in previous ones, I love Like Chicago. This is a Love Chicago because Peter Cetera is still in the band. Um, this song, however, is awesome. It is, it's got Cetera, plus there's great synthesizer, piano, horns. Yeah. Not enough songs have horns anymore. It's got a string section, this whole song from top to bottom. I mean, it's just filled with everything you could think of. And it's just a great love song. It rocks a little bit in the middle but it's got that love message and you got the Peter Cetera vocals, which again, there are only three vocalists from the eighties that I say are the best vocalists of all time. And for me, that's Steve Perry, which we've already identified. Now we got Peter Cetera. And what do you think my third choice is? You said Peter, uh, Steve Perry, um, Michael, it's Michael McDonald. Oh, Michael McDonald. Michael McDonald is so good. So those three, if I could just listen to those three on a loop, uh, I I wouldn't have a lot of problems. I'm going to guess this is not the last time we've heard of from Peter Cetera on this list. We don't know that. We don't know that. Okay. No, I I try to keep it tricky as we move along. So, (laughs) but that takes us to your number six. All right. My number six is, uh, angel by Aerosmith. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. So that's not my favorite Aerosmith. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's their highest charting song behind "I Don't Want to Miss a Thing." I, I didn't know that. It's a little dramatic. Yeah. But that's a good '80s yeah. love song. They're all kind of a little dramatic. Yeah, yeah. So that came out January of '88. Uh, it's described as a searing rock ba- ballad. I love that. It's a searing rock ballad. Searing rock ballad. Yes. Rock ballad. It's uh, quite set, descriptive. Yes. So setting, possibly uh, following a fight. Uh, let's break down the walls between us. I'll put away my pride. Uh, then he goes on to say, you're the reason I live. You're the reason I die. You're the reason I give. Um, 
possibly an unhealthy codependency. Possibly. I'm just going out on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think it speaks to the need for human connection. We were not meant to be alone. Every 80s rock band had problems with codependencies and dependencies. <laughs> that was the staple. Didn't you watch the VH1 behind the music? They tell you all all the, the gory details so you know exactly what happened. <laughs> During the whole 80s, everything they did bad, you get it right in front of you. I think Aerosmith is better when they play rock songs. I agree. I, they're not as good to me with the love stuff, which mm-hmm. is fine. Um, and this is good that you enjoy this. This yeah. didn't make my tent. I didn't even have this. This wasn't a cutting room. This was nothing. So yeah. I just didn't really identify it for that. Um, yeah. I know the song. I just It wouldn't be a go-to if I'm going for love songs. But that's why we do this so we can break it up and have some different yeah. things. So, But my number six, another banger as the kids say, uh, <laughs> it is the Bangles singing oh. the epic Eternal Flame. Oh, that's good. It is good. I mean, well, that is good. Can't go wrong. It's uh. So when I was coming of age, that's around when this song came out, and when I started understanding what crushes were and mm-hmm. liking girls. Susanna Hoffs was right there on yeah. a pedestal. So what, she what was, year was that? So that came out in 1989. 89. This was a number one hit in nine countries, including the U.S. Uh, the band originally rejected the song. Uh, Hoffs really liked it. She recorded it, but the band didn't think it sounded like the Bangles. But the producers overruled them, put it in, went to number one. But also kind of led towards when they broke up because the producers started making Susanna Hoffs kind of the front person mm-hmm. of the group. And the Bangles had always said no one was a front person, but she kind of emerged like these things always happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of led to the band starting to split. She went out to do some solo projects that weren't that successful, but... Mm-hmm. This is just a classic love song. Reminds me of junior high. Yep. Um, it feels like a junior high dance song. So no, that was uh, a good find. Really good. good find. I yeah, that one. I missed that one. That was good. You missed that one. Yeah, it, did, it didn't make my list. Miss it didn't make my list. Flame. That's yep. crazy. Time. Didn't even make my list. It's the Bengals. Oh, uh, all right. Uh, my number five is "Love Song" by The Cure. Um, this is also a 1989 song. Really good. This was on my cutting. Yeah. This is one. This was one I wanted to get in bad, and just it just couldn't get there because there were too many other good ones. This is a good song. I can't listen to the Cure all the time, but yeah. when I get my doses of it, I do like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, August of '89. I feel like it's uh, it's when you read the lyrics, it's it's poetry. Uh, it's very simple. Um, the lyrics just go repeats over and over again. You make me feel home. You make me feel whole. You make me feel young. You make me feel fun. You make me feel free and clean. And it's that a healthy relationship should feel all of those things. So this is a great, this is a great '80s love song. Yeah, the cures, the cures, great. The cure was a thing for a while. You know, when I was in junior high and high school, we had that what you would call goth group. Mm-hmm. There's still goths probably running oh, around schools, but absolutely. we had that goth now group. Now they and, call them like emo. Oh, emo, yeah. Mm-hmm. We just called them goths mm-hmm. then. Kind of smelled like patchouli oil. <laughs> uh, wore the big, big black trench coats. Yep. Black and eyeliner. And they did the black, the black mm-hmm. eyeliner. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, The Cure was definitely inspirational. I'm sure those groups had other bands that were also inspirational, but I'm mm-hmm. sure The Cure played a little bit of it. So, no, good pick. Yep. Um, yeah, that was on my cutting room floor. I debated it. But I could not get it in. Uh, well, my number five is just—it's a classic '80s song. Everybody knows it. It's Bonnie Tyler with "Total oh. Eclipse of the Heart." Yep. I mean, this just—it's so good. Like it's so epic sounding. Yep. 
this I mean, is when good. you put that on and you listen to it over and over, I mean, it's just, it belts out. It sounds epic. It's like Celine Dion before mm-hmm. Celine Dion. Um, it was just, so released 12 June, 1983. This is, in my opinion, one of the iconic songs of the 80s. This is just an 80s song everybody probably knows. Reminds me of my childhood. Seemed like it was always on the radio. I remember driving around the car. You'd hear it in there on the bus. Every, it just, you couldn't, it was on the on MTV. Um, the video was pretty dramatic. It was very, there's a lot of wind blowing. Lots of flowing. Lots uh, of flowing. Fabric. And, um, yeah. If you could bottle a sound for the future and say, this is what the 80s sounded like, this would be one of those things you would bottle because this is what the 80s kind of sounded like, particularly for slow love songs. Mm-hmm. No, I think very defining song. That's a good, very, very well put. Yeah, I mean, that goes on any 80s list, not just love songs. If yes. you did a top 20 or 30 mm-hmm. 80s songs, I think this finds its way in. And what this year was that? 83. 83, okay. Um, my number four is, uh, I don't know if this is, a Drive by the Cars. Ooh, that's good. This is really good. This is a good one. I don't disagree with all of your goods, but this is really good. Yeah. Cars underrated, I think. I, I, I don't think get as I, much attention. I was going to say, I think that this might be an underrated song, but I I don't know if that's a true statement. That's good. I don't. I don't. But yeah, I think ju- people track that song. Yeah. But um, I know my wife loves it. Yeah, July of '84, um, peaked at number three. Uh, you got a guy who's uh, the the vibe I got. He's watching a past lover. Uh, struggle uh, and he's asking who's going to uh, tell you when it's too late who's going to tell you when things aren't great who's going to drive you home who's going to pick you up when you fall who's going to pay attention to your dreams um, so there's kind of a protector element this song uh, he wants to be all those things that she needs but I'm I'm not so sure that she sees it or wants it it's kind of I put it's kind of a sad song I thought oh so, it's sad um, and I good put love in, songs are sad yeah aren't uh, they? Uh, uh, in a relationship we want someone who's going to uh, fight for us and, and protect us and so that's I thought this was a good uh, love song of the 80s. Yeah, great song, actually. Um, another one I had, I definitely had that 30 or 40 I had to cut. This was definitely one of those songs. Wasn't that lead singer? I think he he was dating supermodels. I think he mm-hmm. did like Paulina Poroskova and, and he, or something like that. He didn't look like a guy that should have been no, dating No, he is proof that if you're in a band and the band is popular, <laughs> cool. that's all you need. That's but in the need. 80s, it seemed like if you were a supermodel, Sports oh. Illustrated swimsuit model, whatever that was, mm-hmm. you just paired with... Rock stars. Yeah. That's what. That's who they dated. They Rick, dated each other. Rick Ocasek. Rick. That was his name, right? Rick Ocasek. Well, that's good. You're number four, right? Yep. Well, my number four is another probably just iconic '80s song, but it's another upbeat love song. It's by Huey Lewis and the News. The power of love. Oh, I wanted to get a Huey Lewis song in there. I tried. Well, this is the one to have. So this is a uh, Back to the Future. Back to the Future soundtrack. Okay. Huey Lewis, another underrated, I think, forgotten 80s memory that was really good. But released 30 May 85, obviously, on the Back to the Future soundtrack. That's what I think of when I hear it. Mm-hmm. I love the song, but definitely you think about Marty McFly, back of a truck on a skateboard, trying to get to school because he's running late, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. besides being a great love song, it instantly reminds me of the 80s, watching my favorite movies. I remember listening to this song a lot, and it just makes me smile when I hear it. It's got a great chorus, mm-hmm. the don't need money, all that stuff. Don't need no credit card to ride this train. I mean, the the rhythm and the guitars are perfect. It's just a great song. You can sing along with it anytime, and it just makes you feel good. So I lo- That is a good pick. I really like that one. That one makes me smile. So. That's what that song does. Mm-hmm. I just said that. I said <laughs> it makes you feel good. And just to reiterate, you had to say it makes me smile. Eh. 
What I remember most about, well, I was going to say, I, Marty's truck. That was, yeah. Uh, we all wanted I Marty's wanted that truck. truck. Right? Yeah. And so it would have been great. And back then, it would have cost, you would have thought it was expensive. And now it just would have cost nothing. No. They'd have been like, oh, it's 8,500 new. <laughs> Be like, oh, it's way too much. Now a new truck's like 85,000. So uh, easy. Yeah. All right, we're at uh, my number three. Okay, so my my next ones we we get a little. We I, I might be bending the rules a little bit, but here we go. Wouldn't be a, wouldn't, wouldn't be an episode <laughs> if you didn't bend the rules somewhere. Shocker. Uh, okay, so it, my um, number three is the Boys of Summer, Don Henley, uh, and I will. Um, That's really good. I, Why is that bending the rules? Well, because I don't know uh, on the uh, that it's. Always classified as a, I don't. I don't think it's an easily classified love song. I mean, he's singing about. It's not, it's not one people immediately go to. Well, as long as they're singing about love or being in love or wanting to be in love. Yeah, I think it qualifies. Yeah. So this came out '84. Lyrics by, were by Henley. Here's an interesting uh, connection. The music was composed by Mike Campbell of Tom Petty and the Heartbreaker fame. And I and I put I could hear Tom Petty singing the song. This song was made for him. I could see it. Uh, it won Grammy for Best Male Rock Vocal Performance. It got Video of the Year, MTV View, uh, Video Music Award, uh, Video of the Year. Um, I like this song for as a love song because there's this kind of theme of passing youth, entering middle age. There's nostalgia, summer love, reminiscing of past relationships. There's a they talk about empty lake, empty streets. The sun goes down alone. I'm driving by your house, though you're not home. And so I thought. Again, kind of a sad, sad-ish song, but uh, I think it speaks to how fast time passes by. I mean, we've my wife and I have been married twenty years, and oh. we got a kid driving, and I mean, it goes oh, yeah. fast. I can remember the day we brought him home, so it goes fast. <laughs> well, you have a theme of the sad songs. I know it Some is. Some of mine little, are a little sad. more upbeat. They got a little, little going to it. I I'm going to do my head. embarrassing it, um, confession now. Um, you know, you haven't seen Roadhouse. We've, we've pinged mm-hmm. you for a couple mm-hmm. other things that you should probably know. Do you know until probably the late 90s, I did not know Don Henley was in the, the Eagles. Eagles. So my parents listened to the Eagles, and I listened to the Eagles. Like I knew Hotel California, um, and I knew a couple other songs, but I never really paid attention to what that was or what it meant. And then I found out later, oh, he was in the Eagles. And then when I listened to it, I go, yeah, I mean, yeah. I can hear it right away. So, yeah. But that's my embarrassing confession is probably until the late 90s, I was not aware that Don Henley was an Eagle. <laughs> well, and yeah. one of the major... Parts of the he Eagles, was like yeah, it was the rhythm section. He was the, he was the it guy, and he, he was, was the lead, lead singer. singer. And the yeah, well, Glenn Fry did a lot of the singing until they f- basically started letting Don sing, and then once they heard his voice, they're like, yeah, he's better. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. while my number three is another epic '80s song, it's it speaks for itself. It's "Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now" by Starship. What? Oh, yeah, I'm. I mean, come on. Yeah. So good. That's a fail on my part. I should have cut that. You didn't have that at all? No. How did you not have that at all? No. Well, Because I was too busy doing these sad ones. I got you. Well, this was released 23 March 87. This was off of the Mannequin soundtrack, wonderful movie, Andrew no, McCarthy, I, Kim Cattrall, and won an Oscar for best song. Oscar, that song did. For me, this is a classic song from the 80s. It's always great to sing along to. I've always loved this song. It's great to belt it out. It's got the good chorus, but it was reborn for me in the last couple of years by this. There is a movie called Skeleton Twins, and I encourage anyone listening to go look at this if you haven't seen it. Mm-mm. Go on YouTube, put in Skeleton Twins, Starship, Bill Hader. Well, Bill Hader, Kristen Wiig, they do a lip sync to this song, 
And it is one of the funniest things I've ever watched. Their motions, their their hand gestures, everything they do with their face, it is hilarious. I'm on the floor laughing every time I watch that. And now, whenever I think of this song, I think of Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig doing that lip sync. And I again, I tell everyone when this, if if you listen to the podcast, when it's done, go pull up YouTube, watch that. I promise you, you will not not laugh. You will smile a lot, and you will remember Starship in a lot different way after that. And what's the name of it again? So the movie is called Skeleton, Skeleton Twins, but if you just put in Bill Hader, Kristen Wiig, Starship, that uh, lip sync scene will pop up immediately, and it is, I mean, it is utter hilarity. I, I love it. It's so good. be checking it out. Uh, my number two. Okay, so again, my number two uh, might be a little unconventional, but we're going to do it. It is I'm on Fire by Bruce Springsteen. I was waiting for Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Usually, if there's a list where the options are there, Bruce Springsteen and yes. Tom Petty will find their way yeah, yeah. This into is, them. This is good songwriting. It is a fair song. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'll say something else that might be blasphemous. I don't love Bruce Springsteen. I never really have. Yeah. I, He's, yeah he no. seems like a lot, a lot of times. Yeah. His, so, ne- his Nebraska album, to me, is just stop there. Yeah. It's. That's just, worth listening to. And everything after that, to me personally, is not worth it. Yeah. And no, every, people love Bruce Springsteen. I mean, he's he's iconic in from the 80s, even from the late 70s. He's a rock star. I got it. Um, for me, just listening to him, I mean, it always kind of sounds kind of raspy and the same. And, you know, and then when he tried to do the peppy songs, like some of the um, 80 songs, um, it didn't hit as good for me. Nope. So this is good. Uh, yeah. This is a good love song. But this yeah. is another one where you're just going to like drink a beer and cry because this is very dramatic and and so here's some things uh it's only two minutes and 36 seconds long so it's not a long song uh came out in february of 85 was off the born in the usa album so that was a juggernaut of an album uh the video there's a it's a t-bird he's a mechanic gal's dropping off her her t-bird uh she gives him the keys kind of hinting at that with the house keys on it that she wants him to come by and so, but there's this uh, theme of pent up desire. My favorite line, it, just great writing, I think, is that sometimes it's like someone took a knife, baby, edgy and dull, and cut a six inch valley through the middle of my skull. See, that is good writing. That is just so dramatic. <laughs> like, I want to listen to the power of love. You're you're really into this. And you said he was I a mechanic. I, yes, he was a dirty old mechanic. First she of was all, this high class. You never saw all, her. You just saw her legs, and she was always well dressed. Then and, they copied. Uptown Girl, because there's only one mechanic there video is, there are very Billy Joel s- similar. and Christy Brinkley, and mm-hmm. she's the Uptown Girl. Yep. So it sounds like Bruce very off similar. Billy Joel a yep. little bit. So. No, I had a chance to listen. I was listening to it while I was preparing, and my daughter uh, heard it, and she pointed out the creep factor of this song uh, and questioned whether or not in 2023... Well, you could look at a lot of songs and say yeah, that. So. One of the opening lines says, Hey, uh, little girl, is your daddy home? Yeah, I... Trust me, you could go through a lot of songs so. and find, yeah, that definitely has a little of a cringe factor now that yeah. maybe in the 80s we didn't notice as yeah. much. But, hey, we grew up a little more carefree, right? Yep. Well, my number two is another epic. All these I've gotten in a row now are just epic 80s songs, and that's going to be George Michael with Wham! singing Careless Whisper. Yep, this is deserving. I mean, you could argue this could have been number one. What I liked most was your delivery. It was good. The whisper. And I challenge you to find a song with better saxophone in it. (laughs) 
Yeah, we go with the guitar solos. But oh, here yeah. we have a sax oh, solo. Oh, it's one of the best sax solos you're ever going to hear. So, well, it's funny because this is, yeah, an iconic 80s song, but what I really remember it for now is uh, a couple of years ago, uh, my family and I, when I was still in the Air Force, we lived in Japan. And when we moved over there, the movie blended. It's an Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore movie. Mm-hmm. It was on all the time. Like, we watched mm-hmm. it all the time. It became the de facto old family movie because we'd always watch it. And we laugh. It's probably not a good movie, but we laugh all the time. No, it's fun. But there's a scene in that movie where Adam Sandler trains a group of small monkeys to play Careless Whisper, <laughs> and it's they're pretty good. Like, it's pretty close to exactly what it's supposed to sound like. And so now when I think of Careless Whisper, I think of it being just a fantastic song. But I remember the scene in Blended from the old de facto family movie of the monkeys playing Careless Whisper, and Drew Barrymore even says, the monkeys are still awesome. So that's... <laughs> Because they, they, they hit it. They got the drums. The saxophone comes in. They taught a monkey to play a saxophone. Probably I think that's not. my favorite part is the saxophone solo. Oh, it's but really good. I, again, I'll challenge you to find better find, saxophone. Find better uh, songs nowadays don't use enough many? horns. Are there that many? I mean, there's some. Okay. There's some I good ones. There's like a but that's a really good one. Of I don't think enough songs nowadays use horns. That's I think why I like Chicago. Record execs right now are probably saying that. We don't have enough horns. We need more horns. We need more horns. Well, before we reveal our number ones, because we've tackled ourselves all the way down through these uh, top nine that we've had, we're going to do a fun segment we call The Cut Line. For this segment, we will each identify two songs that just fell out of our top ten, and then we'll also identify an honorable mention that was a song we missed the first time around and perhaps found years later, but would have easily been in our top ten had we been listening to it during the 80s. So, Rob, we'll lead off with you, and what are your two cuts? All right, my first cut line is It's Only Love by Brian Adams featuring Tina Turner. You know, I was hoping we wouldn't get Brian Adams on this countdown, but you just shattered it. (laughs) Why? It's a good, it's it's a catchy pop. Two 80s legends. Two raspy 80s legends. Brian Adams is an acquired taste, I think. But he's the pride of Canada. That's right. They love him. That's right. But it's only love. It's only love. No one can no one can uh, no. deliver that line better no, than no, Brian no. Adams. That's right. Uh, so some things about that song that uh, I um, appreciated was it. Uh, yeah. So October of '85, two '80s legends nominated for a Grammy. I like the blues feel. Uh, when, uh, let's see, non. I put non traditional breakup song question mark. Yeah, because uh, I thought, man, man, it's it's kind of like oh, just life goes on. It's only love. Keep going. But then I thought another perspective. It's saying, uh, despite all bad things, it's it's only love that will get you through. So I kind of looked at it as a different perspective. But uh, yeah, two two eighties legends, solid in their game. Kind of brought uh, Tina Turner back into the. I think you're using legends a little broadly when we're talking about Brian Adams. Brian but Adams. If you want that to be eighties legends. I don't know about it. If there was a Mount Rushmore of the 80s, I don't know that he wouldn't just be someone across the street with binoculars taking a look at all the other statues. I don't know. He'd at least be welcoming people to the park. He had some good songs. All right. Um, Yeah, so we'll give you Brian Adams. All right. Uh, My other cut line, the reason it made my cut line is uh, I'm not... I'm not so sure it's a love song, but I'm going to do it anyway. Of Um, course. uh, It is um, I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett and the Blackheart. I mean, you love something, right? So I initially picked this song because I thought, well, it she loves rock and roll. So there's the love connection. But then when you listen to the lyrics, it's a perspective. It came out November of 81, by the way. Perspective of a woman at a bar checking out a guy. She's going to take him home. Eventually they go home. The lyric, though, I saw him dancing there by the record machine. 
I knew he must have been about 17. Well, maybe she was 17. You want to get the same age bracket, right? Okay. But then, so then I was like, well, is, is some it, states is it, it was a bar? legal in 17. But I was like, well, is it is that legal some places? 17? Some places. Would that have been in the 80s? But you could have been in, in a bar checking somebody out at 17? So when we lived in Texas, we knew um, a couple. She was under 21, and he was over 21. And in Texas, if you're married and one of the spouse is over 21, you can go into the bar with them if you're under 21. Okay. As long as they're with you. Okay. So there are uh, rules. So, so a, a wondering I had, though, was in the song, they eventually make it home, and she continues to say the, the line, uh, put a dime, put another dime in the jukebox. She, she wants to it, hear music. Or, or is that an innuendo for sex? We'll let you have whatever you want that right, to be. Okay. Knowing Joan Jett, uh, it might be the innuendo. There you go. All right. So, well, those two, well, one of those was pretty good. I love rock and roll. The other one's Brian one Adams. <laughs> so, um, but we made it through uh, those two. And my first cut is from Soft Cell. It is Tainted Love. Oh, yep. Yep. This works. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a lot to say about that other than it's just a really good love pop song. It sounds like the 80s, which I always enjoy. Um, again, it's not a super slow love song, so it changes it up a little bit so that they're not just all like Careless Whisper or something like that. But um, yeah, Soft Cell, it's got that That's nice good. synthesizer in the background and it sounds really good. And I always... Marilyn Manson did a cover of that a few years later, but I would say the oh, original was uh, much, much better. So, And what year was that? 81 or 82. Oh, so that's early 80s. It's early okay. 80s. It's really early. So, it's And my selection. second cut is from one of my favorite singers in the 80s, Peebo Bryson. What? If you're ever in my arms again. Nobody knows this. Everyone knows this. Okay. I, yes. I, I remember. This. Of course you do. As soon as you hear the chorus, it's Peebo. The fact you're on a first name basis with Peebo. Everyone should be on a first base, uh, basis with Peebo. Uh, Peebo normally is uh, the duet master. He was on the Aladdin soundtrack. He did some Beauty and the Beast. Oh, he was. Um, so he was really big into the duets. This was a solo, So, I, I, but I really like this. This is just a classic love song. and It's one of those cheesy 80 love songs that I love to crank up and listen to and mm -hmm. I will not apologize for. So Unapologetic. Unapologetic. Me and Peebo, mm -hmm. we go way back. Mm -hmm. So Well, what is your honorable mention? Okay, so my honorable mention is the reason it's it's one I knew, but I put it in my honorable mention because I I'm, I, it's it is not a love song. Uh, it is the opposite of a love song. It is "Every Breath You Take" by the Police. It is the opposite of a love song. Yes, I knew you'd find a way to do something opposite. <laughs> Can't just stick to the script. This is a creepy song. He talked is. about cringe earlier. Oh. Let's just listen to the lyrics yeah, to yeah, this. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. think Sting has a stalking issue. Yep. In the 80s, there were two like main stalkers. And I'm going to go with Sting and I'm going to go with Lionel Richie. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, so this is May of 83. Got Grammy for Song of the Year. Grammy for Best Pop Performance by a Duo. 80, uh, 1983 Rolling Stone selected as the Song of the Year. Best Selling Single of 83. The creep factor is undeniable. It's unapologetic, uh, unapologetically not a love song. Um, actually, Sting actually said, this is a quote, he says, I think the song is very, very sinister and ugly, and people have actually misinterpreted it as it being a gentle little love song, 
when it's quite the opposite. So the category for this episode is love songs. <laughs> and you went with a song that literally says in the title, this is not, not a, love, a song. love song. Here's why. You want to hear my justification? So uh, the lesson in this is that love is a powerful thing. And if abused, it can have unhealthy consequences. And a little backstory, it was written during a separation slash affair with Sting and his spouses or people or whatever. Yeah. So, By the way, love is a powerful thing. It's a great love song. You should look that up. <laughs> you said it out loud and didn't even realize you were just naming a great song. Right? That's right. So, uh, now what? That's not your next one. It's not my next oh, one, okay. but love, was, say, love is a powerful the... thing. You said it, and I just, it just <laughs> since we're talking love songs, it just bu- busted into my head, and I'm like, yeah, I remember that song. Yeah. So, so well, that, my... There you go. My honorable mention is from 1980, but it, I'm just going to say it, it's Endless Love, Diana Ross, and Lionel Richie. Lionel, I'm, I was shocked that Lionel Richie did not make it sooner. He was on a cutting room yep. situation. If you heard my other songs, there's a reason he just didn't make it earlier. I mean, so this song right here is an epic 80s love song. The reason that it's my mm-hmm. cut or my honorable mention is because I'm going to fully admit I did not ever hear this song until I saw the movie Happy Gilmore. So that's 1996. I saw Happy Gilmore, the Zamboni driver. And remember when yes. he says, remember the music comes on and Happy looks at Virginia and says, what? Friends listen to Endless Love in the Dark. I had forgotten that the Zamboni yeah. part. So, and then the Zamboni driver does a great lip sync mm-hmm. where he's doing the end of, and he's doing both parts perfectly for Lionel Richie and Diana Ross. So, I had never heard that song until Happy Gilmore. So, that is my honorable mention. Nice job. That's good. So, are we at our number one? We are at our number ones. This right. has been quite a. We haven't had time any to get there. We didn't. We didn't have any uh, crossover. None yet, and I don't think we will. You don't think we will? At this point. Well, it depends what your number one is. I I don't think this will be your number one, but my number one is uh, Jack and Diane, John Cougar. Ah, the Cougar. Or depending on what what he went by, John Mellencamp, John Cougar, Cougar Mellencamp. That's all good. You like those Heartland singers. You got Bruce Springsteen. Brian Adams. Brian Adams. You got the Cougar. Middle America. Middle America. America. Yeah, this is the... It's a little ditty. The little ditty. Yeah. This is the... It it could also pass as maybe a country song, right? Yeah. So, yeah. rockabilly type stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is July of 82. One thing I found interesting is that it, it originally was written as a, an interracial couple, uh, but he the record company persuaded him to change it, change the, 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 the lyrics. You know, know the lyrics are pretty hard hitting if you listen to them when they talk about sucking on chili dogs yes. outside the tasty freeze. We had a tasty freeze just up the block, right on the corner. So 40, those are forty second and King Road. Those, there those are that. some very um those are some brilliant lyrics. Yeah. Uh my, the line I loved in the it says, Oh yeah, life goes on long after the thrill of living is gone. And I, I just think there's a there's a progression in this song from early when they were young and they were vibrant and they're excited and it kind of moves through it. It's a great it's great storytelling, I think. Yeah. It's I mean, the whole thing is about what? The one guy is a football player. Yeah, and he's then, a football star. Yeah, and then he wants to grow up in the small town, probably mm-hmm. be like a football coach, and she wants to go yeah. to the big city, right? Yeah, they're doing the best they can. She doesn't want to get trapped there. Mm-hmm. He's going to trap her anyway. In the heartland. So that's my number one. The cougar. So, yeah, you really went uh, deep in on those, like, middle America, heartland, 80s, yeah. Ronald Reagan-type songs. You know what I mean? 
because that's that's true. That was, that, that was uh, yeah, 82. 82. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 89. Yeah. Okay. Those are, yeah, they're right in there. Well, I don't know if I can top Jack and Diane, but I have what is considered maybe my favorite song of all time. Uh, and mm. you think you know it, you probably know it. My wife already called it. Um, so it is Glory of Love by Peter Cetera, formerly of Chicago. I mean, the build on this is just brilliant. Yeah, this is good. This is Karate Kid. Karate Kid 2. Karate Kid 2. I mean, his voice, everything here is perfect. I can see the video. Oh, you can always see the video. I can see Ralph Macho running across the beach, the rocks. That's oh, perfect. The, 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 just the, a perfect look. The cut-ins of the, the uh, uh, dojo. Oh, yeah. Him rolling the thing between his hands. I can't, you know, this is probably my favorite 80s song or one of my favorite songs of all time. In fact, um, I wanted this song played Here. at our wedding. It got beat And out. my wife vetoed that very quickly. <laughs> um, she was not into apparently the 80s love cheesy song. I don't think it's cheesy, but she seemed to think it was. So it did not make it onto the wedding playlist. She'll tell you it was my fault because I was supposed to tell the... DJ, he could play it later in the evening when people had already been maybe drinking and not paying attention. That would have been fine. But uh, no, I wanted it there. She uh, was not as big a fan as I was, but this is that's, the best love song good. of the 80s, that's best good. love song of any time for me. And uh, you really can't go wrong with Peter Cetera. No, I think that, 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 those are, I, in my opinion, were two very good lists. They, they so. held their own, I think. And we both actually, for the first time, no crossovers. No crossovers. We had nothing the same. That is pretty. Spectacular, because so far we had not been able to say that we were able to do that. But I think again, if you take those lists and you make a big playlist out of that um, on Valentine's Day, nine months later you're going to be a happy family. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's good. No, those are good lists. I'm very happy with those. So, uh, go ahead. Well, I just was going to throw in. I mean, again, this was really hard. I had a few that I cut out. You mentioned some of them already, but. So I know what love is. I want to know what love is. Foreigner. Yep. Take my breath away. Berlin from Top Gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't fight this feeling. Ario Speedwagon. It was really hard not to have Ario Speedwagon anywhere on this. Mm-hmm. What's love got to do with it? You named Tina Turner earlier. Uh, you chose the sticker with the legendary loose use of that word, Brian Adams. But uh, you could have <laughs> gone with this. And uh, a late 80s love song that was very popular. Uh, you can laugh if you want, but Shake Your Love, Debbie Gibson. Um, okay, so. yeah. Uh, some on my uh, cutting room. Uh, True, Spandu Ballet, With or Without You. Uh, um, Every Time You Go Away, Paul Young. Really good. I, mean, I, that, I was shocked that you didn't pick that one. It was, it was right there. Uh, Kiss on My List, a uh, little new edition, Cool It Now. Cool It Now. You, uh, you can go on forever. Higher love. I it was a little that you didn't get a little Steve Winwood. Steve Winwood. Right, higher love. But again, if you heard and, my and ten, I have row after row. I could keep going. Yeah, you and heard then. my ten. It's really hard to beat any of those ten. I had some upbeat. I had some love songs. Mm-hmm. I had the great Peter Cetera. I mean, everything is there. There's nothing wrong. Um, you can't good. go wrong with that at all. So I'm happy. With well, this. we have. This is our sixth podcast, so yeah. we're rolling along, oh. and it's actually done okay. We've gotten a few people to listen and we're, and we're ha- the most important we're having fun doing it. we are having fun doing it um especially today i liked we both had a lot of different stuff mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we gave we gave the listeners a lot of different things to look at but mm-hmm. we actually received we have an email box um and so far we hadn't gotten any emails but we did finally receive our first email from a listener um and this is from i feel like casey Kasem right now you ever 
when he did that thing on the weekend <laughs> for his top 40, uh-huh. he'd read an email, but it would always be like something like, you know, someone was dying of cancer mm-hmm. or like, can you please play this for my husband? He's going to die next week. Uh-huh. And the song I want to send out to him is Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard. Like the song would never match like the problem they had, right? But anyway, we're very excited. We got this email. Um, It's from Heather G. It reads, hello, thanks for a great listen. As a Gen Xer, it was a great total recall trip. My husband and I graduated high school in 96 and 97 and loved remembering all the TV shows you talked about in your second episode. Looking forward to the movies of 1996. I remember my family was a TGIF kind of family, and it was an awesome treat to get to watch TGIF with TV trays and probably pizza as dinner. I also loved the opposite Sunday night real shows, but my husband and I had to watch those at our friends' houses. Our parents were not fans. Keep it up. So thanks to Heather G. and her husband for tuning in to our second episode. Top 80 sitcoms available now. This is why we started the podcast. Obviously for Rob and I to have some fun, but sparking memories like this for people... This is what I was. This is what I was hoping for. This is what Absolutely. I was wanting. Absolutely. And so, for anyone listening, if this is what you know, write in. Tell us. This is what we look forward to. So, no, I really like that. I thought that the image of the pizza and the the TV trays and the and, oh yeah, that's I hit it. That's that's, that's as eighties as it's going to get mm-hmm. right there. We had the TV trays. Did you guys have TV trays? We didn't have TV trays, but yeah, I remember the the pizza and possibly a trip down to the movie store. And we had know, legit TV trays because pretty sure my mom was worried we'd eat it if we were eating on our lap or something. It's just going on the floor at that <laughs> yeah. point. Um, so, well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Totally Eighties and Nineties Recall. We hope you've enjoyed our love fest with the nineteen eighties. What did we get right or wrong, or did we miss something altogether? Let us know on Twitter or our website, which are both included in the show notes. You can also email us at totally80s90s at gmail.com with comments or show ideas. And as you just heard, we will read them on air. Finally, if you like the podcast, please hit that subscribe button, like the show, give it five stars, give it a thumbs up, uh, share it with your friends, uh, share it on any social media platform. That's what can help the show grow. We want to make those memories for everyone and share the same memories that we have with anyone who wants to listen. Uh, and so uh, what's our homework for next time? Homework for next time is going to be our finalization of a two week Valentine's day. Uh, okay. And that's going to be nineties romantic comedies. So okay. our top nineties romantic comedies. Okay. Uh, do you want to give your uh, layman's definition of a rom-com? So a rom-com is basically, if I saw the definition I saw online, it's a comedic movie that has a romantic element to okay. it. So as long as you're hitting those two things, I'm sure you'll find a way around that. But okay. as long as you're finding movies that have some semblance of that, we'll probably say that those are good. Okay. All right. That sounds good. I'm excited. So is that it? I think that's it. Fancy goodbye? No fancy goodbye. All right. <laughs>